Thank you for downloading the Wings Museum podcast. In this edition, we get an update on the Hawker Sidley Kestrel restoration project. Museum co-curator, Daniel Hunt. Today we've been to the Brooklands Museum to collect a wing section for one of our projects that we're working on here at the museum. And uh, with me I have Aaron Simmons and he's the project leader on the Kestrel. Yeah, we've been to Brooklands Museum today and we've been to collect a spare wing for our Kestrel. It's the original wing from P1127 XP984, which is currently at Brooklyn's Museum. Their P1127 has got a Harrier wing on it as it was used for the Harrier wing test beds. We'd like to thank Brooklyn's Museum for giving us the opportunity to have this wing. It's really going to move our Kestrel project along. Obviously, it's not a, a Kestrel wing as it was slightly different shape, but it will fit our aircraft for now until we can repair our wing. And then we can refit that, and then we'll have a nice display piece for the museum. The wing is actually a zero-hour wing, which is uh, quite remarkable, as there's not really any spare wings around anymore. Our Kestrel is the only one without a wing at the moment, because obviously ours is damaged. Our one is actually on the Kestrel that's hanging up in Langley, in the states and we've got their wing because theirs was damaged and they took our one a long time ago they all seem terribly interchangeable yes <laughs> presumably this is because when they were being designed and this this was a predecessor of the such and such and that was a predecessor of the, that kind of thing wasn't changed as much as other bits perhaps no no it wasn't the only difference between the the kestrel and the p1127 wing is the p1127 has got more of a a straight leading edge and the kestrel wing is um, more curved like the harrier wing so all these things show the development that they were doing with these planes i mean that was the whole point of having them wasn't it yes yes no definitely so the project here what stage are we at with that a box of bits at the moment not quite, not quite. It's, it does seem like that at some points. We've decided to concentrate on the cockpit to begin with because of the ground loop incident that wrote off its flying career. The aircraft had a landing mishap in Langley in the States when it was being flown as a NASA test aircraft by former NASA chief test pilot Lee H. Pearson. And one of the outriggers dug into the ground and damaged the wing and the cockpit on one side actually sheared all of the the rivets on that side off and the cockpit was hanging over to the side. So we've decided we would take the other side of rivets out as it's a natural production break and work the cockpit separately. Once we've repaired that, we can move on to the fuselage and once that's repaired, we can rejoin the cockpit and fuselage together and then work on the wings... And we're also after a set of landing gear, which we know there are some around, but it's just getting hold of them. It's proven to be a a rather large challenge at the moment, as they were different to the Harrier. I I think it's worth just pointing out that this is um, quite a unique and very rare aircraft, because there were only nine ever built, and one of them was actually written off early in the trials. So that only left eight trial aircraft. XS-694, which is our Kestrel is the second Kestrel in the country. The only other one is at Cosford. There are a few P1127s, but they're not the same aircraft. A lot of people think they are, but there is a a major amount of differences to them. So the 1127 was the predecessor of the Kestrel? Yes, yes, that's correct. And then the Kestrel became? The P1127 REF, which became the GR1. 
<laughs> right. I hope someone's following all this. So, <laughs> so how come this particular aircraft is here at Wings? The aircraft was found in a paintball field in America. It was purchased after it had the incident. It went to a private collection, which was the Flying Tigers Museum, owned by Tom Riley. And then it went to private collector, then into the paintball field. Then it passed through a few more hands. And then we saw it come up for sale and we snapped up the opportunity as it's such a rare and iconic piece of British aviation history. It looked like it was going to be scrapped, which we couldn't allow. Yeah, I think the the thing to sort of point out is that although it does have a proud history with NASA, it was never really going to sort of attract the kind of interest in the States as it does here. And our future plans for the aircraft is to kind of embrace that NASA history and we want to actually sort of have a dual um, paint scheme on it so that one half of it will be its tripartite squadron colours but the other half will actually be sort of paying tribute to the NASA test aircraft. We'll forgive them for the landing mishap um, and we'll uh, we'll endeavour to put that right. But and are, we, we, are we paying tribute to the paintball part in any part of this paint scheme? Um, not, <laughs> not quite so much but I suppose even they... might um, play a part in this story because at the end of the day perhaps if it hadn't have gone to the paintball park it may have been scrapped or it may have become pots and pans who knows but basically the we were actually sitting in Belgium having a meal and as always being Mr Social as I am I was scrolling through my Facebook pages (laughs) and uh, I saw this Kestrel for sale and I kind of instantly recognised what a unique opportunity it was and luckily I actually had the other trustees by my side so within about 20 minutes and a few messages we had actually purchased the aircraft but then that was only really the beginning because then we had to arrange how it travelled some 400 miles across the states to the nearest port where we then had to arrange for it to be loaded onto a container for some bizarre reason it was full of pine needles pine cones and all sorts of um, dust and soil and rocks so it had to be completely cleaned out inside before it could be shipped eventually it obviously left the states when it was quite a sort of special day when it arrived here at the museum because it was obviously returning home and our ultimate plans are to return it to its real home which is Dunsfold. So we're at this stage where it's not a box of bits anymore. What's next? What, what, what work needs doing? The, the major work that needs doing on the, the cockpit side are the, the forward skins. After the NASA incident, the actual forward skins weren't damaged too badly and they could have been easily repaired by ourselves. But since it's gone through quite a few different hands, a lot more damage has happened to the, the forward no section in particularly frame one and it's been completely crumpled at the front so we've been on the lookout and we've actually found an english wheel specialist who can roll the skins for us his background is he does aviation english wheeling specializes in spitfires but he used to work at handball rolling harrier skins so he's the actual ideal man for the job Sounds like it. And he's going to come to the museum and roll them on our English wheel for us. And we're going to give him a hand, hopefully learn a few things. (laughs) That's the day everyone will be in there watching. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, The skins have actually been removed now. Um, I've personally done that. 
and they are here at the museum. Um, the cockpit is coming back to the museum very shortly to go in our rollover jig, which will make the restoration of it a lot easier. The other skin damage, we're going to start doing some patch repairs. They've been marked up, a few have been cut out already. Once that's all done, we can start restoring the actual components from the cockpit and start reinstalling them because they had to come out for the skin work to be done. Instrument panels are looking fantastic. They've all been formed, all been sprayed up. Still on the lookout for a few instruments. We found a few of the rare ones, like the, the nozzle angle. That was a nice find. That was an eBay. <laughs> oh, this is where we find these things these yeah. days, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think it's just... Um, because primarily uh, at the moment the Wings Museum is a World War II museum but as I say we do have plans for the future this is sort of why the museum's involved in the Kestrel really and it's probably part of the reason why it's not sort of physically on display at the moment because at the moment it would be a little bit out of context and I think it's important for the museum to keep that context because at the moment, we call it a remembrance museum, so it's telling the complete story of World War Two, and to suddenly have a have a kestrel appear in it might just kind of confuse people somewhat. It would certainly look a little bit out of place, yes. So, so we say we're looking for undercarriage bits. You're saying, is there anything else that we're looking for? What else can people be looking on eBay to help you? We are after a set of engine doors that just fit forward of the wing. They're missing. We're after a tail plane and a fin. They're currently missing. Harrier ones will fit. We've got a canopy now, which is good. I think the other thing that we would like to hear from people that actually might have worked on the Kestrel while it was in the UK... You know, they, any... they won't be on eBay. <laughs> well, you, 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 can never, you can never say what might be on eBay, but um, probably not. But I think, yeah, we'd like to sort of make contact with people that worked on the Kestrel, you know, both from an engineering point of view and obviously, a, you know, an aircrew point of view, but also all those people that were involved in the design stages of it you know it's all part of its story and as I say it is an iconic aircraft it's one that I know for a fact having been to uh, Monimo Museum in Russia that they actually showed us all of these vertical takeoff aircraft that they tried to develop and they said that they could never compete with a Harrier so we always you know as sort of British aircraft designers always had the edge on them for that so I think that's something to be really proud of and uh, you know obviously it sees service now with the Americans but obviously what we've got the Kestrel just kind of make sure that we remember those that um, were really part of the development which kind of led to what what is still in service today which is quite remarkable. So just to make sure it's all clear then we're talking about a Kestrel what kind of years are we talking about for development of this and where was it being developed? 1960s and the aircraft was developed and uh, the factory was actually at Kingston, Hawker Sidley at Kingston and then the aircraft were moved to Dunsfold for final assembly and first flight. Orchestral was the first one that was actually delivered to the tripartite squadron and then it was returned to Dunsfold for some modification work before it went back to the squadron. So if anyone knows of anyone who was working at Kingston, working at Dunsfold in the 60s, you'd like to hear from them. Definitely. Yeah, and another little thing that um, we've been after for some time is the uh, the guys that worked as part of the Tripartite Squadron had a special patch for their overalls, right. um, which is the same logo that appeared on the wings. So we would be very keen to get hold of one of those to kind of display alongside. Several times during this you've mentioned the Tripartite Squadron. What, what is that exactly? 
Uh, well, it was basically a sort of an interested parties group that was formed of Americans, Germans and the British. They were the ones that were interested in this sort of uh, very experimental aircraft at the time. So I think it was important to actually prove that it worked and also to generate a support for it to actually go into main production, which is what the squadron was about. So these uh, countries participated in the trials. So was this RAF? Was this Army? Was this Navy? RAF. It was, yeah, it was all, all Air Force. Actually, the, the, a lot of those trials actually took place at Dunsfold. There w- would have been sort of Luftwaffe pilots, American pilots, RAF pilots. There's many photographs with their kind of famous handlebar moustaches. And, <laughs> you know, I think it's quite nice when you look at history that they actually came together and kind of served alongside one another. So quite a unique sort of piece of history, really. Well, obviously, things are still at a relatively early stage, but coming together on this project. Any idea roughly how long before it will be on display? Uh, I think it's a it's a difficult question to answer because, you know, we are a volunteer-led organisation. So, um, obviously, the more help we get, the quicker things become. But also, you know, the other important factor is obviously cash. We have quite a lot of projects ongoing at the museum and they all they all require a certain level of funding and we're a registered charity so obviously as a charity part of that work is to look for funding be it five quid or five thousand pounds whatever i mean literally anything can make a big difference even if it's just buying a a can of primer you know the more the more help we get the more finances we get, the quicker it will be. But in the meantime, we'll carry on doing what we're doing. As Aaron has said, he's already making very good progress with the cockpit, which is probably where most of the damage is. The fuselage has some what we call kind of bruises and some holes and a few bullet holes as well, which are, I think, fairly unrelated to its service history. But, you know, those kind of things we can deal with. The things are out there. We're confident that we can achieve it. I think the other thing is that, even if we can't find the original component, you know, we then look at kind of fabrication and what were the technology that's available now with uh, like 3D printing and laser cutting. I mean, these are all options. But first of all, we need to kind of try and source the original components. That's our priority. And to be fair, even if something gets temporarily like like the wings you know, if they're not entirely appropriate they can be swapped over at a later date once the originals have been found yes no definitely and uh, a lot of museums do exactly that because it's about the display yes yeah definitely i think the other thing is is that the differences are sort of fairly subtle they are a complete set of wings that we picked up today from brooklyn so they've got all the uh, control surfaces and and everything we would need for the original wings which are basically they're not in bad shape but i must point out that they are in two pieces and they shouldn't be so that is basically the reason that we are at the moment not using them but for originality we've already come up with a repair scheme of actually how we could join the two back together but you know again I think that would sort of be a lesser priority I mean obviously the priority is in the repair work and we are limited for space at the moment so that's why we're concentrating on the cockpit it's the bit that everybody wants to see but we're fully committed to doing the whole aircraft. For more on the Kestrel project and Facebook links and pictures, visit www.wingsmuseum.co.uk.